recognize you. Are you ready to go to work? For who, Victor? Santos asked, leaning back against the rusty iron railing. Surely the GRU has no use for me now. The GRU is a thing of the past, René. I'm an entrepreneur now. Can you imagine that? Entrepreneur, Santos said. Isn't that just another word for criminal? You wouldn't believe Russia now. It's amazing. Like one of those American movies. He did a parody of a cowboy drawing guns from two holsters. Everyone is walking around armed, shootings, killings. The civilians, the ex-army people, there's no control. He holstered his imaginary guns. Everything is up for grabs. Everything. Santos fingered the silver cross dangling from a chain around his neck. What is it you want me to do, Victor? Join your little Russian mafia? In a way. I want you to do what you do best. Kidnap some people, perhaps kill them. Come on. Let's go inside where it's warm. The fluorescent lights stammered to life, drenching the room in a sticky pallor. The walls looked as if they had been originally painted white. Now they had a saffron-yellow tint. Dusty mahogany shelves covered one wall, the shelves half-filled with books that looked as if they hadn't been touched in years. Ancient black furniture stood in museum-like arrangements around the perimeter, under old, dark paintings of overdressed men on horseback. A big bearish man with a dark beard and thinning black hair plastered to his scalp came onto the deck, carrying a tray with black bread and slices of creamy white cheese and a bottle of wine in a clay ice bucket. He placed the tray on a table that was covered with a leather cloth fringed with tasseled rope. He spoke to Santos in Spanish. Anything else? No, that will be all. Petrov watched the man leave. As big as he was, he walked with easy, economical movement and balance. He wore baggy white canvas pants and a blue denim shirt that stretched down to his knees. A sensible outfit, if one's plan was to cover a variety of weapons, Petrov thought. Is that the man who was at the window with a rifle when I arrived? René answered with a noncommittal nod and poured a glass of wine handed it to Petrov, then poured a smaller measure into the glass he had chosen for himself. Get to the point, Victor. Petrov grunted, then placed a briefcase on the table. He opened the case, shoved it to one side, and spread a series of maps on the table. I know you have been to Russia many times, René, but never here. His blunt-tipped finger trailed over the map, moving from Moscow in an easterly direction stopping at a town called Humen. The Houston of Siberia, my friend. Samatlor is the biggest producing oil field in the world right now. The finger moved again. And here is Kazakhstan, the Tengiz oil field. Hell on earth. In the summer it's 130 degrees. The rest of the year it's 30 below zero. They estimate there are 9 billion barrels of oil under the ground. Deep under the ground, unfortunately. But it's there. When you fly over, you can see the black ice. Some idiots hack into the pipes with axes, fill up all the cans they can find, then drive away, leaving lakes of oil to sink into the ice. Black lakes, worth billions, René. 
Petrov dug another map from the briefcase and unfolded it slowly. Santos could see stacks of American currency in the bottom of the case. Petrov unfolded the maps, revealing the outline of the United States. You have been to America, René. New York City, years ago. What did you think of it? Santos took a small sip from his glass. Too big, too noisy, too American. Petrov's finger stabbed at the map. California! The land of sunshine and movie stars. I want you to go there, kidnap a couple of Jews. You will make more money than you ever dreamed of. He caught Santos's eyes. I know your present position. All your money is tied up in Swiss banks, and they'll never release it to you. You know that. What I'm offering you is a chance to double the money those bastards in Switzerland are keeping from